0: Welcome back to Brazil Crypto Report. Today I'm joined by Daniel Gipaiva Gomez, who's a partner at BDB Advogados and one of Brazil's leading experts on cryptocurrency taxation. We talk about why Brazil's framework for crypto taxation is one of the most advanced in the world, as well as new legislation that seeks to change the tax treatment of offshore crypto holdings. Great. So we are here with Daniel Japiva Gomez. Uh, Daniel, it's great to have you on the show.
1: Thanks, Ariel. I'm glad to be here with
0: you. Amazing. So Daniel is one of the uh, leading cryptocurrency taxation specialists, experts in Brazil. Uh, He's been practicing in this area for a while, uh, and he's even written a book on the subject. So it's a real pleasure to have him here to uh, share his knowledge with us. Um, And Daniel, to to get started, why don't you give us a bit of an introduction to yourself, uh, your professional background how you got into crypto, and uh, how you spend most of your time now.
1: Perfect. Well, first of all, I would like to uh, say that I'm super excited to be here with you, Aaron. I have been following your work for quite some time, so I'm truly honored to be here with you to share some thoughts on this matter. Thank you. Uh, well, my, my professional background, I always have like a two-sided life. I have my law firm, my office, which is called VDV Advogados, Vieira Drigo Vasconcelos and Paiva Gomez Advogados, and also I have a, a, a research life, as I would say. So I'm, I'm also a professor and I like to research about crypto, write books, write, write papers and etc. So uh, my background is basically uh, focusing on doing business as a whole, you know. So if I would say on a for formal perspective, from a formal standpoint, from a legal perspective, I would say banking services, uh, financial markets and taxation. So everything that is connected from a B2B perspective and also a B2C, but doing business is my, my main hope here in the office, you know. And uh, how I fell into crypto. Basically, in 2015, I had some clients that are from the gaming sector and they were like uh, participating in some tournaments and they would get these prizes that would be paid in Bitcoin. And they were like, Daniel, can can I receive Bitcoin? How should I tax this and is this legal at all? And, and you can imagine that the bias back then was even worse than we have nowadays. Uh, you know, currently we have some some prejudice, some bias from people that don't understand the technology and does not separate the good players from the bad players. But back then, it was even worse. At that time, uh, me and my brother Eduardo Paiva Gomez, we have this channel on Instagram which is called uh, Os Irmãos Paiva. We always research and work together. And we decided that in order to help them to solve this question, we should dig deeper on the technology itself. And that was when we already had took like post-graduation courses from a, a more broad perspective on doing business, taxation. And then we decided to move forward with our studies from a more strict to sensual approach. So to get a master's degree, to get a PhD. But in order to do that, so imagine that back then we solved this issue. We concluded that they could accept Bitcoin. As a means of payment, and they should tax it uh, uh, basically as something that was given to them. So it was a remuneration. But we decided that we wanted to 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 get deeper on this subject. And in order to do that, we needed a because it master's degree. They they demand that you have a professor to be to be to give your guidance. You know, for the purpose of the the Mac which is our authority here in Brazil, responsible for education. We need to have a university that accepts your project and a professor that is going to be uh, responsible for giving you guidance, you know. And back then, uh, I am from Sao Paulo, Eduardo too, and in, uh, no professor, no university was willing to accept these topics, you know, because they would say, no, a crypto is for criminals, crypto is a Ponzi scheme, and there is no... Uh, asset reference attached that would give intrinsic value to this kind of asset. So it was very odd for us to to try to to show the obvious. You know, the technology has nothing nothing to do with the bad use cases that some players, some bad players, uh, would do with it. Uh, it took us for uh, two years two years to to convince them that this is okay. This is a healthy market. So fortunately, after talking to several universities, the Escola de Direito School of Law of Getúlio Vargas Foundation here in São Paulo. They accepted my project, was focusing on regulation taxation of crypto. uh, And Eduardo's project was more focusing on NFTs and 3D printing. I started my research at 2017 and he started 2018. Uh, Each one of us took like two years to conclude it. And fortunately, these researches were awarded as the best of their respective seasons. And after, we we got invited by Thomson Reuters to to convert this research into a book. So my first book was this one, uh, which is Bitcoin, the taxation of cryptocurrencies. Uh, I have one copy for you. We just have to schedule our coffee, Aaron. And this book is more like uh, for lawyers, you know, for tax lawyers, for, for financial markets lawyers, banking lawyers. So it's more technical. But after that, we understood that and and imagine that it was around 2018, 2019. And we understood that the technical aspects of blockchain, they're so disruptive that it is important to have a standalone approach. What I mean by that? I, I don't want to be a banking lawyer doing crypto. I don't want to be a financial markets lawyer doing crypto. I don't want to be a digital lawyer, which is more focusing on privacy, doing crypto. I want to be a crypto lawyer. And for that, I need to understand the intrinsics of the technology itself. And the boom of the ICOs that happened around 2018 show me that. Because it's not crystal clear if you uh, how you should conduct things from a legal standpoint on the crypto realm. You know, So the, the, the most famous things that people think that crypto lawyers only do that, but it's not true. The f- famous how test to evaluate if a token is a security or not. So this is just the the beginning. There is uh, like 360 degrees approach that could be taken and should be taken into crypto projects. And that is the reason why I decided with Eduardo to to take the master's degree on University of Nicosia in Cyprus, which is more focusing on computation. So it's a master's in science computation, targeting blockchain and digital currencies. And fortunately, we were accepted uh, and we got a, a partial scholarship to do that. So it was very Uh, We were thrilled to have this opportunity because it's not very common for lawyers to to go into the science computation aspect of it, but they allowed. So uh, we were very happy for that. We concluded this master last year and we decided to get in the PhD from a legal standpoint. So we went for legal, then we back to tech and now back to legal again. And my PhD is about the usage of smart contact embedded with artificial intelligence to control overruling and unbinding cases from the litigation and Supreme Court of Justice. And Eduardo is more focusing on the metaverse. So you can see that we have this uh, more deeper analysis on crypto projects. We like to to deliver something that is very connected to the technology itself, but also compliance by design, compliance by default to avoid any kind of problems and and, and to ensure a very multi-jurisdictional approach because crypto is global. But even though it's a global thing, we know that licenses are required in the jurisdiction of your consumer market. You need to be in con- compliance with several countries depending on the on the size of your operation. That is the reason why we decided to take a specific certification on international tax planning from the International Bureau of Fiscal Documentation, which is called APCIT, Advanced Professional Certificate on International Taxation. So this way, I could say that we have established very solid grounds on our crypto desk on VDV, which was created like in 2018. So we have five years now. And to deliver some so, some legal solutions that are very complete and they are not going to struggle innovation. So this is what I have been doing. And I would say that my, my research is also my passion. And this is the second uh, gift that I want to give you. It's very, very little, as you can see, Aaron. <laughs> this is our second book. It's a collective oh book, actually. We have like ninety-four authors from Brazil, United States, and Europe. And this is not a legal book. This is the, the this is why I'm so in love with this research, because we get all these people, we got all these people together to deliver a book focusing on four pillars philosophy, technology, economy, and law. So legal is the last part of it because the law should be seen as an instrument. Not as a, a dead end or something that would be consumed in itself. So mm-hmm. this is the this book was also published by Thomson Reuters, and we have the pleasure of having people from the Brazilian Securities Exchange Commission, people from the Central Bank of Brazil, to deliver something that would bring together regulators and entrepreneurs to build good and health solutions for the crypto markets.
0: Amazing, amazing! And I guess for those of you watching uh, or listening uh, to just the audio, he has he was showing this. Uh like 500 page hardcover book full of, uh, <laughs> which is in Portuguese language about uh, uh, the subjects you are just talking about, philosophy, law, tech, everything. So that'll be some good, uh, some good training for my, my Portuguese reading, you know, to, <laughs> to work on that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so appreciate that. Um, and, you know, I, I love kind of where you're coming from here. Really taking like the holistic approach because I, I I do agree with you that crypto is is it's very hard to approach crypto and just be like, well, I'm just going to look at this from the the legal perspective. I'm just going to look at it from the tech perspective. I'm just going to look at it from like cryptography perspective. You have to kind of be, uh, you know, something of like an intellectual Swiss Army knife, right? And kind of understand. You have to have all these kind of tools gotcha. in your tool belt and really understand how all the pieces fit together. And, uh, it, it's, and it's it's very, you know, that, this is one of the things that really attracted me to crypto in the first place was just like, wow, it's like all these areas that are super interesting in their own right. and Then you kind of fuse them together and you get this kind of fun and crazy wild world of, of, of crypto and blockchain. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> so, um, but kind of shifting gears here and just really focusing on the tax portion, uh, I would love for you to give us um, kind of a quick overview of, um, uh, or maybe, maybe, I guess, to the overview to the extent that you think was is is sort of you know beneficial enough for, for folks to under really understand without going super deep into the weeds, uh, of just how the, the current Brazilian uh crypto tax framework is structured. Uh, I know there's been a few you know dating back to even like 2019, there's been a decent amount of guidance on this, and I think that will help kind of set the table for. Uh, this legislation that has been that is that is advancing through Congress right now, and it'll help us understand uh, exactly like why this legislation is important right now.
1: Perfect. Uh, so first things first, Aaron. And for those that are there are not techn- uh, like tax lawyers or accountants, it's important to understand one thing: uh, any country, in order to tax something, needs to have a nexus with a person or a thing. And we have two kinds of nexus: source and residence source of payment or source of production of that wealth and the residence of the person that is going to receive that wealth uh, there are countries that they are only a teri- they have a territorial approach what this means only the revenue that is generated regenerated within the territory of that state will be taxed by that te- that state meaning that if you are a resident of that state and your source of revenue is abroad your country of residence will not tax this revenue. We'll have other countries that they are considered worldwide income countries, like Brazil. And they will tax according to residence. Some other there are other countries that they are more um, aggressive on that. They will tax based on the, the, the citizenship, the nationality. For example, US. If you are a US citizen, you are national, American national, even if you are resident in Brazil. You will need to pay taxes for the United States because of your nationality, and you have to pay taxes in Brazil because your residents. And if your source is located in another country, the other country, because it's the source, probably will withhold taxes there too. So that is why it's so important to have this uh dual thing in mind: residents and residence and source. So Brazil is a worldwide income country. What that what this means in practice, if you are a resident of Brazil, you need to pay taxes here regardless of the localization of the source of the income, of, of the source of the payment. So why I am starting by this broad perspective? Because even if you did not, we did not have the project of Bill of Law uh, 4173, which is our offshore uh, Bill of Law, even if we didn't have that, All crypto for any citizen, for any people living here in Brazil, which is a Brazilian resident, should be taxed in Brazil. This is the rule of the game. There's nothing we can do about it. This is the nexus. If you live here, if you have a residence here, you need to pay taxes here, regardless of the the localization of your source. Uh, This means that uh, if now, currently, uh, there are people that are operating from like virtual asset service providers located abroad, that have no uh, physical presence in Brazil and they're not paying taxes, this is a crime. And we don't need a new law for that because our system is based on worldwide income. And what is the status quo now? And let's ignore for a moment the the, the recent bill of law that was approved in the Chamber of Deputies. We have this worldwide uh, worldwide income system, meaning that if you acquire uh, income Income is considered to be like the 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 result of your work of your labor labor, uh, or the result of an uh, investment. But besides income, you have other kinds of revenue or the or other kinds of profit. You know, and these would be more related to capital gains. We have these two kinds of things. You know, and when, for example, you pay someone or someone is paid. Regardless of the source, this is very important, you receive something as a payment in kind in crypto because you deliver a service, because you sold the good, anything. This should be taxed as income arising from labor, which means that we are not going to the capital gain rules. We are going to the ordinary income rules. So if you are a natural person, you should tax it according to our progressive rate rates until 27.5%. If you have an alienation event, so you're going to sell, you're going to barter, you're going to exchange, this, this is going to move out from your poor property, then you have ta- capital gains taxation. And regarding this capital gains taxation, which is the most common, you know, uh, the Federal Revenue of Brazil has already enacted several several and uh, a explaining how to tax that. And they say that capital gains should be taxed from progressive rates from 15 to 22.5 percent. However, you have an exemption for small value transactions. So, what are these small value transactions? If in your month the amount of transactions that you have conducted does not surpass 35 thousand uh, dollars, sorry, thousand reais would be would be more or less on the exchange rate of of today, seven thousand dollars. Your the, the, the group of these transactions is exempt. So it's not a capital gain of 35,000 reais. No, it's the, the amount, the group of transactions in that month that sh- should not uh, supersede 35,000 reais. So this would be an exemption. It's a very good exemption for the, the, the ordinary citizen in Brazil because it's a high value for the ordinary, the average person. And it's also good because you enable crypto to act as an actual means of payment because you don't need to 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 start uh, evaluating capital gains this from the perspective of taxation itself from the perspective of like duties and declaration and tax reports we have from from natural person standpoint we have an annual obligation it, around like april or may of the next year you need to report your position in crypto that you have on december 31 of the previous year but you should only report crypto that you have on december 31 if the cost basis of this crypto is uh, equal or superior to five thousand reais if it is below you don't need to report that on your tax report and you have five types of crypto on this uh, reporting uh, declaration form you have under group eight you have five types bitcoin altcoins Stable coins, NFTs, and residual tokens. Uh, what would this last category would encompass? Like uh, tokens, uh, precatório, you know, it's a public title that the government needs to pay a person. Uh, also, consórcio, which is like a group of people investing together. You have like the uh, uh, fixed return tokens, which some ex- Brazilian exchanges are selling. This would be encompassed by this last category, which is the residual tokens. So it is very important. The reporting duties have nothing to do with taxation. People think that they should not declare, they should not report in order to avoid taxation. No, you should report everything according to the triggers and the rules that I just explained to have the source of your wealth. Because imagine that you you bought crypto. And then you have an, a giant upside. Your average income is like 3,000, 4,000 reais, and then you show up with an apartment or with an expensive car. You you have how will someone would be uh, able to prove the, the 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 that this is licit, this is legal, you know. So it's very important to have this in mind. Uh, people think that because crypto have this anarchic, you know, pers- anarchist perspective. But people need to think about their own wealth and to plan this the, this growth along the time, throughout the time. And in order to do that, they need to have the origin of the assets that they buy. So that is the, why it's so important to, to, to have this report every year conducted in a very serious and compliant way. And the last thing, we have the f- super famous uh, report from the, the normative instruction 1888. From 2019, which is not da- dealing with taxation itself again, it's more focusing on reporting and what is going to say basically. If you are transaction uh, with a virtual asset service provider located in Brazil, don't worry; this intermediary is responsible for transmitting this report. You know, but if you are transaction like with no Brazilian intermediary, with with, with Encompass, for example, uh, a foreign exchange. Peer-to-peer, the centralized exchange. Uh, you, we, you, you, yourself, for a natural person or a company, you need to do your own declaration, your own reporting for the purposes of the normative instruction 1888. What this means, uh, if you in a month has a, a amount of operations that support, uh, it's over 30,000 reais, then you are uh, compelled to make this declaration, to transmit this report. If you are under this threshold, you don't need to declare that. And this is very important because uh, sometimes the media says, oh, because this foreign exchange is not uh, compliant with the federal, the the Brazilian federal revenue because it's not going to transmit the reports from their Brazilian users under uh, normative ruling, uh, normative instruction 1888." This is fake news. This is totally incorrect. They are not obliged to do that. Who is obliged to do that is the user. The rule is clear. Now, you know, If you are interacting with no Brazilian intermediary, you need to declare that. You need to fill out the forms. You need to transmit the reports, not the foreign exchange, not the peer-to-peer platform located abroad, and neither the DAX developers that are eventually are located abroad. They have, uh, uh, in this view of law, actually, they have a new article. Saying that the new company, the, the foreign companies, may be forced to comply with that, but the, the current state, our status quo, is not demanding that. It's demanding that the user does that. And what is this different from the bill of law that is pending and was recently approved in the Chamber of Deputies? Uh, again, this bill of law, uh, in my perspective, uh, we should not confuse things. You know, uh, this bill of law is not going to ensure. Uh, tax collection over operations that are conducted overseas. And why is that? Because the current lo- the current rule already encompasses that. And people are not paying taxes, not because the absence of a rule is they are paying taxes because they want to evade taxes. So it's a criminal perspective, it's illegal. I'm not going to dive into that, but it's very important to have this in mind. This bill of law is not going to solve this issue. This bill of law is creating a different, scenario for people that are conducting transactions overseas why because today you have one rule for the for capital gains that are accrued in brazil or abroad what, what and it's this is the rule that i just described progressive rates for 15 to 22.5 percent an exception for small value goods on 35 000 reais under the new rule what they are doing is separating you know, the, the, the domestic operations in Brazil, they are going to stay in this framework, 15 to t- to 22.5% and the exemption of 35,000%. On the other side of the coin, what we have is a pretend, a new rule to treat differently the operations conducted overseas. And this rule is going to have a fixed rate of 15%, okay? Uh, and this is interesting because if you are like a, a, a high net value investor, it's it will be cheaper to transact with foreign uh, exchanges than, than the Brazilian ones. Because under the domestic scenario, imagine your transaction one million, two million, three million 1 million, 3 million reais, you're going to tax from 15 to 25, 22.5%. Under the news and proposed scenario, you have a fixed rate of 15%. So this is the first difference.
0: So, so just just to, just to pause you there. So, so this would actually in that scenario you just described, this this new law or this new proposal would actually be beneficial for the Brazilian uh, crypto, you know, uh, like a high net worth crypto investor yeah. who has like for you're, you're actually net. paying, yeah. So you, you'd actually be paying less taxes under this than you would be uh, under under like the under the the previous framework, essentially, assuming you're you're following all the rules as you should be, right? You'd actually be paying yeah. less under this scenario.
1: Exactly, but only this is a, a good scenario for high high net value investors. For the small investors, uh, the new the new proposed regime is is worse. And why is that? Because you don't have the exemption of thirty five thousand reais for small uh, small transactions. Okay. You know, so you have this duality. Depending on how much you are like transaction transacting, uh, it would be good to do it in a local intermediary like a Brazilian VASP, and or if you have have a high net value. It would be more. It, it would be cheaper to go for international because you would you would not be able to use this, this small, the the small the exemption of thirty five thousand reais anyway. So it would be better to go overseas. So this is basically the main difference, you know. But this bill of law uh, uh, poses some concerns uh, for 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 the crypto economy in Brazil, and that is the reason why me and Eduardo. Uh, representing our law firm. And together with the Brazilian Association of Crypto Economy, we helped them to draft a technical note, giving some 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 considerations on our concerns. Because the, the bill of law is saying that uh, virtual assets are an example of a financial application, of a financial asset. But they are not detailing which kinds of Uh, virtual assets are going to be encompassed by this new regime. And why is that? If you take the other examples that they are given uh, in this, that that they are uh, uh, like described in the Bill of Law, they are more focusing on investment, on banking products, on like securities and things like that. But we know that some of the virtual assets in the market, some of the crypto assets, they are not financial assets. You know, if you have, for example, a utility token, to get access to a massage or some kind of goods and services, this is not a financial asset. You know, you can have, for example, a, a flying ticket embedded on an NFT and you cannot say that this is a financial asset, this is a financial application only because it was issued by, by a foreign foreign uh, airline company. So what concerns us is that they are not uh, explaining what kind of virtual assets are going to be encompassed by that. And our federal law on crypto, the federal law of 14478, it was very clever and, and did that. They say, like, uh, secured tokens, they are with the Brazilian Security Exchange Commission. Payment and investment, etc. they are with the central bank. And they say that utility tokens, I, I'm just summarizing because they don't, they are not using this kind of uh, technical uh, words, but basically virtual assets that grant access to goods and services, they are not encompassed at all by the federal law 14478. So how can I say that on the bill of law 4173, utility tokens should be considered as a financial uh, application, as a financial asset. doesn't make sense because they would encompass other assets and they will like make distortions to, to like the behavior of the taxpayer and the economy itself. So uh, just another example, on the bill of law, you have a, a specific regime to update the cost basis of your asset and you tax uh, despite the existence of any kind of alienation, uh, but you have the taxation under a, a, a minor uh, tax rate, you know. So some people are going to do that as a tax planning. Uh, but this rule, this is a specific new regime. They are saying you cannot do that for uh, artistic works or gold. You cannot update the, the cost basis. So, okay, I would say, but for financial applications, they allow this. And they plot the virtual assets as an example of financial applications, financial assets. So my question is, a token that represents gold would be allowed to be in, within this regime? Because from a formal perspective, because it is a token, because it is a virtual asset, would be considered a financial application. But its content is of a commodity. It's gold. And gold is not so the, allowed to be. In this so the regime. So, so, so the
0: physical gold would not be taxed, but the uh, the tokenized gold would be taxed, basically. Yeah. So the, this mismatch the is
1: very very bad for a situation, and they are not uh, explained to us what is considered to be a foreign, uh, a foreign asset, because they are saying only financial applications located abroad, in the crypto realm. What is located abroad? Because we are talking about decentralized technologies. So would be the place of the issuing. The place of the intermediary, because if it is the place of the issuer, we have a serious problem in Brazil, because more than 90% of our market is composed by foreign issued tokens. So if, like you know, from one day to another, we we may fall into a scenario that all the Brazilian exchanges would be uh, selling foreign financial applications. And I'm sure this is not the intention of the legislator. And this would like kill the market because we would then be able to use the small, the small value exemption. You know, mm. uh, it would be more reasonable to have as a criteria for the localization the place of the intermediary, the place of the virtual asset service provider. This way, we can like take all the issuing aside. You can take peer-to-peer aside, and this would be like for a fiction considered as located in Brazil. But the, the bill of law is not giving clarity regarding that. What they did was they are delegating competence and authority. They are saying on a paragraph, paragraph number three, saying, "Okay, we know that this is a very complex matter. So the federal, the Brazilian federal revenue, will need to enact new regulations to say what would be the virtual assets encompassed by the new regime. What would be would be the virtual assets considered located abroad. At the end of the day, uh, if you have the 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 approval of the of this bill of law at the Senate, we will still don't 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 know for sure what kinds of crypto and operations would be encompassed because if things are approved the way they are now, we will need to wait for the, the regulations to be enacted by the president of federal revenue.
0: So is it necessarily a bad thing that some of these more technical uh definitions and nuances and classifications of tokens and whatnot would be left delegated specifically to the Hesita federal instead of uh you know having congress trying to pass a law that's you know ha- having these definitions codified in the law like does it make maybe make more sense just for congress to leave uh, create kind of a broader umbrella and then uh our broader umbrella framework and then just say hey okay you guys the technical people at the hits says all you guys are the ones tasked with figuring out like the specifics of this is that you know, necessarily is that is it maybe better in this framework, or it sounds like you're obviously you're arguing that's 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 worse. But like, we just love to have that discussion.
1: Perfect. So I would say around that, uh, from a technical standpoint, it would be better because it seems to me that the Brazilian federal revenue has a more it possesses more technical people that could draft very good regulation from under the law, right? uh however there is uh you know two things to take into consideration when we have something in the law itself codified in law uh we would not be subject to like if someone who is in charge you know the the, the head of the topic uh changes uh if we have everything on regulations and this person is not so aligned with a crypto friendly approach it's good by like From day night, changing everything, you know, a changing framework that could be uh, uh, like very important to our ecosystem. So codified in law, we would not have this problem because in order to revoke a legislation, it it is uh, much more complex than revoke uh, normative instruction, for example, or administrative ruling. So from a a legal certain standpoint, I'll say that being codified in law is better. However, the law is not fast enough to encompass new developments of the technology itself. You know? And from that perspective, I would say that regulations are better because they're they're faster. If, for example, there are new, I don't know, uh, new types of token coming around. We don't, uh, we are not, for, for example, rebase tokens. They're not so famous yet. It, it, and if this became, became like a, a phenomena uh, on the next months or years, then we have, from the regulation perspective, it's much faster to draft the regulations to encompass the new, this new phenomena, you know. So I would say, from this standpoint, we have, it's a Sophia's choice, you know. From a legal certainty perspective, it would be better to have codified in law. For a perspective of, like, the, the regulation being up-date, up-to-date, being, like, encompassing new phenomena, etc., it would be better to give this authority... Um, 100% to the Brazilian Federal Revenue because they have been doing a very good work so far. Actually, the normative instruction 1888 from the Federal Revenue, it's a benchmark, it's an international benchmark that has been used by the OECD, Organization for Economic Development, and also uh, when they created CARF, which is Crypto Asset Reporting Framework, and also for the European Union, when they create DAC8, which is also a reporting framework for crypto, so Brazilian Federal Revenue, I am totally comfortable to say that they have the the knowledge and the technical perspective to have a very mature dialogue with the market, with Aba Crypto, for example, the Brazilian Association of Crypto Economy, to draft regulations that would be a, a good fit to the market, you know. But besides that, and now I'm going more into a technical approach here. Uh, Brazil is a civil law country, which means that uh, in order for something to be uh, collectible in terms of taxation, we have to have that in law, strict to you know, So we have this provision on the federal constitution, Article 146, saying that complement- complementary law should establish the minimum uh, details of the fact that gr- gives rise to taxation. And this minimal description of facts are the conduct that is going to be taxed, which is formed by a, v- by a verb plus uh, a noun, you know, like to get income, to deliver a service, you always have a verb plus a noun. You know, what are what is the fact that is going to be taxed? So this needs to be on the complementary law, uh, which is now considered to be one of them, the national tax code, okay? But more than that, we need to have chronological and spatial rules disciplined in law. So the place where the fact is supposed to happen in order to be taxed needs to be written in law. So it's the, the legal certainty principle in Brazil for tax matters is very important. And when we go to the National Tax Code, the National Tax Code says that the law, again, needs to have the minimal discipline of this fact. The chronological, when it happens and where it happens. Then you can delegate for regulations. But the regulation itself cannot create the conditions regarding the practice of the fact, where it happens and when it's considered to be happened. So my concern is that even though the regulation is good, let's imagine the best case scenario. Best case scenario would be to, to And we, we don't manage to have any kind of modifications on the Bill of Law, okay? So let's assume the Bill of Law is going to be approved as it is today. We And then the federal revenue, you need to enact this regulation. I have no doubt that the regulations are going to be very equi- equilibri- equilibrated, you know? They are going to be like not focusing on tax collection, not focusing on protecting taxpayer. No, it's going to be neutral from technological standpoint because... This is what they have been done so far. However, we cannot discard or disregard the possibility that some taxpayers decide to take this as a litigation cause to the Superior and Supreme Court and to say that, oh, uh, okay for the regulations to happen, but at least the minimum should be described in law. So we could have these taxpayers, and this would like cause a friction between taxpayers and tax authorities that I think it's unnecessary. So my point is in order to prevent litigation, because I'm not against uh, or from a technical standpoint, from a researcher standpoint, in partial perspective, I'm not against the federal revenue uh, having the discipline for that on regulations. No, I think they are going to do an amazing job, much more technical than what the Congress would be able to do, because, uh, you know, crypto is one thing on several others on the Congress, you know. So from technical standpoint, I have no doubts that this will be good. However, I want to prevent litigation. I want to prevent problems because in Brazil we have a culture of litigation which is very very, very strong era. Uh, we are one of the most uh, litigation countries in the world. We have one of the most expensive tax uh, courts in in the world and I'm not, this is not a, a, I'm not criticizing the courts no, it's because it's too many people demanding. Uh, uh You know, uh, legal decisions. So you, we need to have judges. We, we need to have courts, and this is the problem because it usually it takes some years to get these matters solved. Just for you to give a glimpse of an idea, it took approximately ten years to decide how software should be taxed in Brazil, from from an indirect consumption taxes perspective. So I, I want to prevent that from happening. I want to prevent that eventually. Any taxpayer says, OK, the regulations are good, but I don't want at all to be taxed regarding these uh, overseas operations on the new framework. So I'm, I'm going to, to to sue the government and say that they have uh, over exceeded their power because they are regulating something that has not the minimum descriptions in law strict to censor. So this is my concern. Is it's this- not actually a better or worse approach. It's more trying to have a framework more connected to avoid further and future discussions
0: so, it's, so it sounds like it's it's almost a twofold uh concern the first being that uh the regulations are not necessarily set in stone right so if if, if a new uh, head of the agency were to come in who's maybe has a different viewpoint and some things they could obviously change some things around uh in a way that may or may not be positive and then uh the second concern is really that uh uh they're, they're, you know, some consumers could band together and they could start filing lawsuits against these, yeah. these regulations, saying that hey, this isn't what the law was was prescribing. And uh, at the very least, you're just throwing a bunch of sand in the gears of the system, trying to slow things down. Perfect. Uh, and it'll take, you know, ten years later, we'll have, you know, but it's like, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, that you know, John Maynard Keynes, right? Where it's, you know, it's in the long run, we're all dead. So like, <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> hey, just file exactly. some lawsuits. You know, throw some sand in the gears and then maybe 10 years later, we'll get a resolution and, you know, we'll all be dead by then anyway. So who cares? Right. So it almost feels similar or this dilemma you're describing feels similar to the asset segregation dilemma that uh, the central bank has been facing where where they've been. They've come out like, hey, we're very pro asset segregation. We really want to do this. And they came out kind of uh, guns blazing, you know, uh, earlier in the year. Saying we're going to do this, and then now they've kind of walked back some of the language. They're like, "We want this, but we don't think we can do it just by enacting regulation because we're probably going to get sued, and uh, we're going to end up in that same type of situation we just described." So now they've been going back to the the, the Congress, you know, pushing for for for
1: uh, legislation. I mean, is this
0: is this a fair comparison? Is this kind of the same dynamic here?
1: It is. It is indeed. It is a fair comparison, yeah, and. And I think they are right to try to, for example, regarding segregation, to do that in law. Uh, more or less, it's a similar approach. It, it, it would be better if you have, in this view of law, very minor changes. For example, it, it is considered to be encompassed in the law only virtual assets that are uh, comparable to financial instruments. This would solve the description of the facts, which is the material perspective of the text. Then the chronological perspective. They could state that... For example, the taxation is going to occur until the end of the next month. Okay. And the third aspect, which is more related to the, 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 the ge- geographic location, they could say that what matters for to consider a, a crypto of a foreign geolocalization, a foreign origin, they could say that is the place where the intermediary is located. With these three minor dis- uh, clarifications, I think that the, the authorities would be uh, legally delegated to the, the Brazilian federal revenue in order to detail that.
0: Got it, got it. And then I wanted to ask uh, just, just one sort of, um, or probably a couple more wrap-up questions here, but I wanted to ask sort of a reframing question, and uh, w- which is really, and you've kind of explained some of this already, so I, I apologize if it's a bit redundant, but I just kind of want to like reframe and repackage. Uh, but basically, like, how is this, you know, going back to like how this affects, the you know your, your average brazilian crypto user or trader uh perhaps somebody who's not like a whale you know sitting on thousands of bitcoins or whatever uh and the reason i'm maybe the reason i'm asking this is is because my instagram feed has just been like lit up of with crypto influencers you know talking about oh my gosh there's this new 15 percent taxation rule <laughs> uh, you know and people you know freaking out about it and and, and, and like granted like you know they're you know, they're, they're doing the same thing I'm doing and creating content and trying to, you know, get people to watch it, whatever. So, you know, more power to them. Uh, but it sounds like from what you're saying, you're, you're, you've been describing here, that the situation is a lot more nuanced than just like, oh, no, the Congress is trying to, you know, tax you 15% of your crypto. Um, it sounds like there's a lot more 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 nuance here. Um, so, would love for you to kind of maybe like just reframe, repackage. Like, wh- what's the impact that this is going to have on just, you know, kind of your average, maybe uh, like small retail, large retail user uh, you, know, you know, should this all be enacted as as it is as it stands today?
1: Perfect. Uh, first of all, Errol, I, I would say that I, I I share more or less what you just described. So uh, there is no need to, to be so cha- chaotic about it. You know, I f- the, the news that I have been seeing and reading they are not technically accurate. They are describing something uh, worse than what is going to be enacted. And more than that, they are never telling the end user that now. Let's imagine that this bill of law is not approved. If it is not approved, foreign uh, crypt- crypto assets that have been acquired from foreign sources, they are taxed in Brazil because you want a, resident, uh, a Brazilian resident. So this is what concerns me. Why are people uh, so you know uh, euphoric about that and say, oh, my God, uh, or cryptos that are in foreign exchange, they are going to be taxed. No, they are already taxed. If you're not taxing it, you're doing it wrong, you know, because we have a worldwide income system. And this is not Daniel Talley, you know, because usually people, uh, some some users and some crypto lovers, they get uh, mad at me because they say I am against the ethos of crypto. But no, I'm just describing uh, how things work. The same way a dev would describe how Ethereum work, I'm saying how things work on the tax law. And the tax law now already taxed, crypto located in foreign sources. So nothing has changed from a from a status quo perspective. We still keep being a worldwide income taxing country. And um, so what is going to change if this uh, is enacted now? Let's first deal with the, the real scenario, which is the bill of law probably is going to be approved the way it is. So. If the Bureau of Law is approved the way it is, what we have is that a comparison an example uh, in, a, in the form of an example saying that crypto, but they are not using the word crypto. And this was a formal approach that we took as the Brazilian Association of Crypto Economy to s- substitute, to exchange the word crypto asset, which, which, is, which was on the original text, for the uh, expression virtual asset. And why we did that? because there is no definition of crypto asset in any law. So how we would have a bill of law talking about uh, taxing offshore or foreign crypto assets using the word crypto assets, if we have no definition of crypto asset. So it doesn't make sense. What is the definition that we have? The definition that we have is future asset. So this was a first, first topic that no one is talking about and we managed to explain that, the Congress, the, the the OAB, which is also the organization of uh, representing the lawyers and the Association of crypto, Brazilian Crypto Economy, they said the same thing. They said, we need to have a standardization regarding the terminology. First things first. So they substituted crypto assets by virtual assets. Great achievement. And if this is approved as it is now, what is going to happen is the following. Instead of having, as we have today, progressive tax rates going from uh, 15 to 22.5%, we are going to have a fixed rate of 15%. So it seems to me that making our transactions using foreign intermediaries, it would be tax efficient from a nominal tax rate perspective. And this is very important, a nominal tax rate perspective. And why is that? Because I'm telling you that In the ordinary uh, system, in the ordinary framework that we have today, we have progressive rates according to the basis of the values that are going to be negotiated. And these values are quite big, you know, going in case of millions and millions of reais. Uh, But in the new rule, we have a fixed rate, regardless of the amounts transacted. So this is the first thing that would change. The second thing that is going to be a controversy, the exemption, the exemption that we have now for small transaction value, uh, which is uh, has a trigger of a ceiling of a thirty-five thousand reais. So, if your the group, the total of your transactions in a month does not su- 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 supersede that, then your transactions are exempt. There is no detaining on the bill of law regarding how this exemption would be applicable to the new framework. Uh, My guess is that it's not going to be applicable because there is a paragraph saying that uh, all the other cases, I'm just summarizing here, all the other cases in which the new framework of this bill of law is not going to be applicable, you go to the ordinary framework from the federal law number 8981, you know, and then this is the reason why I believe that the federal revenue would say the small value uh, exemption is going to be applicable only for the domestic market. But this is also debatable, you know. So, probably this is one thing that is going to happen. Who operates by foreign exchanges is going to tax 15%, regardless the amount involved. They have, I think, a zero tax rate only for values transacted upon 6,000 reais. You know, over that, you have 15%. So, it's This is a very serious uh, uh, difference between the the two frameworks. But the third point that I will say, and this is like very important because what the, the, the chaotic people are saying is that, oh my God, if this is approved in the Senate, then we have this new framework, calm down. And why is that? Because if they approve like that, we have this provision saying the federal revenue needs to enact regulations saying which kind of virtual assets are going to be encompassed by the new framework, and when or how we are going to to qualify something as a foreign location. While we don't have that, the law itself does not grant the power to to tax these operations in the frame new framework. You know, because either you have everything in the law, as we would we tried to do it, everything in the law, and then once the law is enacted, the new regime is going to like we need to respect some national uh, rights of the taxpayers which is that uh, we have a period of time that needs to be respected before collecting the new taxes so uh, what we called anteriority it's connected to legal certainty so they only can can ask this the collection of these new taxes if imagine it's approved this year only in next year and they also need to respect a 90 day period of like grace, I would say so, uh, in order to start collecting. So we would need to wait the next year. And then from the date of the approval this year, 20, uh, 90 days also as a plus. So it's not from day to night. This is the first thing. And But considering that they did not insert in the bill of law, the minimum requirements for the tax collection, we need to wait the regulations for the federal federal revenue. So we only need to really say, okay, now things have changed. Once we have the, B- the bill of law approved, and if the text is the, the the one that we we know, so far, delegating authority for the federal revenue, we will also need to wait for the enactment of the regulations by the federal uh, for the tax authorities in Brazil. Before that, nothing changes for the end user.
0: Got it. Got it. So, so what you're saying is is kind of what we were talking about earlier. The the, like the larger traders are, are who would use like you know the the, the offshore exchanges uh, basically hit it who would who would you know they would probably blow over that 35,000 Hal uh, uh, threshold exemption. anyways exemption they would, they would blow over that exemption or they would be trading much larger than that exemption so like th- they would benefit basically based on you know just being able to you know just at that lower tax rate than they would otherwise being taxed at the, the 22.5 rate. But like, but your your smaller retail traders who might be using these exchanges, uh, who who would otherwise trigger that ex- or they would otherwise not trigger the exemption, they would be under the thirty five thousand. Uh, they would end up being taxed uh, on 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 that income where they where previously they would not be taxed on those capital or those type of capital gains, I should say, not income. Um, okay. And then, but I know what you're saying is so. Would the I say the federal the the tax authority have the ability to uh, create an exempt, like just reuse that same exemption, or create a new exemption, or is that something that would have to be codified in the law itself? If say if they exactly. want to take, hey, we're gonna take this thirty five thousand Tao exemption, and we're just gonna we're gonna repurpose it in this this new scenario, is that is that something they can do, or is that something that 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 they need the legislative approval for? Uh,
1: by the the literal description of the law, any kind of exemption needs to be enacted by law. So the National Tax Code tell, tells us that. Uh, however, uh, they could try to, cons- to build an interpretation on the current l- rule, saying that they are just applying the current l- the current r- rule, you know. But it, uh, in my opinion, it's too soon to understand how they are going to navigate this framework, because we would need to understand what they are going to consider as a virtual asset encompassed mm-hmm. by the new framework. And what they are going to consider as a foreign origin virtual asset?
0: Yeah, the, the foreign yeah the foreign origin virtual asset piece. Uh, I was going to dig into this a bit earlier as well, but I mean, this seems very problematic just in the sense that that that's basically i mean what's the origin of of bitcoin like where did bitcoin originate yeah. like like, what? like where is it <laughs> where did, yeah, okay, I, you know where okay you can you argue maybe ethereum okay maybe it's it's uh, it's ZOOG because that's where ethereum foundation was based and they they were the ones that that uh, that that at least you know uh, emitted the original token and the ico uh but bitcoin like where did where's the you know it's like asking like well who's the creator of bitcoin like i want to talk to the ceo of bitcoin you know i want to you know i want to i want to know where bitcoin was created
1: like what country so i can tax it properly it's like well there's this is it doesn't doesn't exist it's a a giant it's a huge challenge you know Aaron. because at the end of the day imagine like axs you know from max infinity you know there, there is sky maves labs we could say for instance that because kaimavis is a foreign software house software gaming house company uh, this would be considered as a virtual foreign uh, a virtual asset with foreign origin because they issuing or the issuance secured abroad but as i said uh, it seems to me that this criteria is not very good because uh, you know this way basically all the cryptos being s- uh, sold in the brazilian market they are foreign financial assets they foreign financial applications this doesn't make sense. And also, we have the problem that you just mentioned about Bitcoin, because we have pre-minted uh, platforms, pre-minted protocols that you can find an issuer. But you also have a self-generation protocol like Bitcoin. Usually, proof of work does not work with pre-minted systems or pre-minted tokens. So how they are going to do that? Uh, it, it seems to me that this criteria of the like the source of the issuance it's not a, a very efficient criteria. It would be much better to like, have an abstraction regarding the, the, the place of the, the issuing and use instead the place where the intermediary is located. Uh, so this way, I think, for example, you have a foreign exchange negotiating Bitcoin. In this case, it's a Bitcoin considered from a foreign origin. You're buying Bitcoin on a local exchange. Okay, this is a, a domestic Bitcoin. Uh, it, it seems to me that this nexus is much more efficient than the the place of the where is located the issuer. Otherwise, we would just ruin the crypto economy with this kind of rules.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, great. Well, running out of time here, but um, really appreciate you coming on the show to ex- help explain some of this stuff. It's uh, very, very nuanced, very technical, but also very important uh and you know you tercul- articulate very well especially in a in a different language so <laughs> congratulations and thank you for for uh, for helping me to understand and, and all of us under better understand this uh and um you know any final thoughts from your end and or anything else you'd want to add and then also how can folks get in touch with you if uh if they want to connect
1: great first first of all i would like to thank you ero i think we we have been discussing uh, the day in which we would have this 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 talk, and, and it was an amazing experience. Uh, thank you a lot for the invitation, and I, I would like to congratulate you to have this, you know, to being sensible uh, towards, like, technical aspects. Uh, thank you so much, also, for the positive feedback. I always uh, try my best to be a, non, uh, a non-legal speaker, you know. I, I need to talk about legal stuff, but I try to do it in a very uh, natural language, because this affects all all of us. It should not be a technical discussion because it affects all the people. So uh, I'm truly honored to be here. And if anyone wants to reach out, I have my Instagram with my brother, which is Os Irmãos Paiva, Paiva Brothers. Um, I have my LinkedIn. I'm very active in LinkedIn too. Actually, me and Aaron, we will start talking on on LinkedIn, uh, which is my full name, Daniel De Paiva Gomez. And anyone who needs to reach out for a more deeper and technical analysis, I would would be glad to help. The this website of my law firm, which is VDVADV.com.br, you can find my email there, and it will be a pleasure to to get in touch. Uh, I, I would like just to give a final piece of advice, uh, because usually we start trading, we start buying and selling, and we live for later to plan our financial lives. Don't do that you know uh, i'm not saying that people need to have a very expensive uh advice but they, they with uh, anything that we have discussed here they can do by themselves they don't need to to expend uh, money uh spend money doing some legal research etc uh, i would advise them to like going to google and type like uh, brazilian federal revenue QA, which which would be in portuguese Guia de perguntas e respostas da receita federal there you just like make a search on the document, you type crypto, and then you would see how the tax authorities are understanding this economy. It's very important for people to, to have the origin of their wealth because at the end of the day, I want everyone in the crypto economy to be rich, but they need to have the origin for this <laughs> wealth, you know. So my, my final piece of advice would be like once you start doing it with more volume. And you have more money and you start to get profit, uh, start to look for the compliance too because at the end of the day, it's much more expensive to pay higher taxes and penalties because you were not compliant than doing that at first instance. So this is my final piece of the advice. And I thank you again so much for the the honorable invitation.
0: Yeah, amazing, amazing. Yeah, that's. Uh, I felt like you were uh, speaking to me directly there. I <laughs> we'll you know, it's like, Sometimes it's like the advice you don't want to hear is the stuff you got to listen to <laughs> most. You know? So, but anyway, uh, but appreciate appreciate you ha- uh, on the show and, and sharing your your knowledge here and, and very impressive. Just the the work you've done and how much you've invested into into understanding this all and and I really appreciate uh, just everything you've brought into the to this particular episode. So, uh, thanks so much, Daniel, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. And we will see you next time.